Hey there, everybody. This is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 26. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, joined today by the always opinionated, always unabashed Brad Felicki. Brad, say hello if you wouldn't mind. Hey, hello, everyone. And we're here to go ahead and cover the news from DC Comics this week, like every week. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We're going to start things off with the movie side of the world, which is the fact that there's been an announcement made that the Booster Gold script is done. Um, It's completed. There's a producer. There's a director. But we're waiting. And the reason behind that is, drumroll please, and silence, because there really hasn't been exactly uh, a reason. Brad, what did you think about this story and this whole, we've got some stuff, but we don't know what's happening to it, and we'll get back to you? You know, I really wish that, this was the, these are those moments where I really wish that Justice League and Batman vs. Superman was more of a deadlock hit. Because I think if that had been the case, this would have been green-lighted a little while ago. And it could be like DC's version of a character like, say, Ant-Man, that maybe not too many people are familiar with. But if they get the right actor to play the role in the right way, it could he could become an iconic character. And I've always liked Booster Gold. So I hope that somewhere down the road it does get put into production. We do get to see this come to fruition um, you know, fingers crossed. So we'll see. Man, someone's going to have to tell me what the odds are for finger crossing. I can't remember myself how it ever <laughs> works out when I try and do it. But yeah, if that works, then then let it work. Because first things first, um, I couldn't agree more with what you were just saying about the fact that it seems to be based on the idea of, well, what's come before it and how well did that do and how much is that going to influence our decision? Yeah, because that's where DC seems to be with these movies. Like, oh, Shazam did well, Aquaman did well. Okay, what can we learn from that? And it, it's just somebody has to take a risk with Booster Gold and say, okay. And if that happens and if they're, you know, if the script is good, then, you know, we're golden and it should do fine. So that's why I just I hope that it gets made. Yeah, I agree. And I, I have to just sort of like look over some of the things to, to keep in mind here when when I am sort of going through the details about this one. It's got a quality script writer. The screenwriter, Zach Stenz, has worked on X-Men First Class, which I thought was a really great rendition yes, for, uh, yes. you know, reintroducing sort of a young mythos to the uh, or a young version of the mythos of, you know, mm-hmm. the X-Men and also uh, work on Thor, which you know, it, it, it wasn't a perfect movie, but I thought it, it was really important to developing the character of Thor and teaching him humility and taking us down that journey, which I thought was a really valuable one. So yeah, I have yeah, a lot exactly. of, you know, faith in that. Um, but it, it seems like the things that you're bringing up earlier, you know, the idea about what, what are we going to do um, and how are we going to base our decision on what the box office is telling us, that that seems a little bit, you know, confusing even for the people who are involved with the process and right you know when they're confused you have to wonder okay well how much are we supposed to be able to figure out if you guys don't know what's going on um exactly now i I did wonder what you thought about the fact that you know when it comes right down to it i love booster gold because he's hilarious um 
Blue and Gold was that great example of just the Wahahaha Justice League of the 90s. Um, yeah. and, and that was something that really set a tone. And it seems right. to me that, you know, that that booster would would be a great opportunity for us to pick up on what you were saying earlier about characters who are unknown, like Ant-Man. Yeah. Which brings me to another point that you just brought up is the is yeah. the Justice League of the 90s was Keith Giffen's run on that was some of my absolute favorite comics of all time. Hands and, down. <laughs> yeah. And one of the reasons why between the whole Batman and Guy Gardner thing was the relationship between Booster and Blue Beetle. So how cool would that be if somehow they would get Blue Beetle in this movie as well? I would oh, bringing that up to six. Oh, man, I would love that. Well, I think it would be, you know, ultra cool if that's still a word. I think it would be amazingly cool. I would be excited to, to see them on on screen and just the banter that, you know, that goes with it. But also we've we've seen from titles like Ant-Man, like Deadpool, um, both of which have had successful, you know, original movies followed by sequels, that there's a desire for comedy. DC has shown that they have an audience that desires comedy with the recent sales numbers from Shazam. Mm -hmm. So why the hesitation, especially when you've got such great comedic fodder available from Booster Gold, uh, a hero, quote unquote, with basically a stolen identity from the future and, um, you know, space available on his suit for rent, depending on who his sponsor endorser is. <laughs> I, you brought up a good point. The fact that um, he's from the future and he's kind of uh, an anti-hero in a way. He was never a straight cut hero. He always was kind of very selfish and out for his own gain. And maybe that makes the comedy a little harder to bring into it than it did to a character so pure and good as Shazam. You know, that's really true. Uh, when you when you point out the, the fact that there, there's sort of like an honest to goodness aspect that goes with Shazam, that the humor side, although I'm going to counter with the fact that Deadpool was by no means mm -hmm. oh, a right. good yeah. person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and you know, I, I would have to consider the possibility that how evenly split it seems to be in so many ways the DC and, and Marvel universes are that their fan base would have an equal percentage in DC world and fans to support a character like Booster. A little bit, obviously, he's a little bit of a charmer, a little bit of a dog, you know, but also who, when pushed right down to it, he does heroic things, even if it's mm -hmm. not what he intended to start out doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yep. So, yeah, I'm just going to consider that eventually they're going to either take the risk or this will just be one of those great things we haven't been talking about and saying, man, wouldn't it be cool if that ever eventually happens? Um but, you know, also there's persistence, as we learned from Deadpool, that was a many, many years process in the making and eventually it happened. So I think uh, if we can sustain our faith, there's always the chance it'll be rewarded and, and Booster Gold, you know, he's got as good a shot as anybody else. I'm I'm really hopeful we'll get a chance to see that. And uh, to be honest, it it'd be nice because I, I'd like some levity, some more in the DC comics world movies, because I'm also seeing that our next story is about the super pets movie being pushed back. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's really disappointing. Now, uh, you've heard the story as I have, so I'm just going to let you chime in with your initial thoughts and, and 
follow on back around. Brad, Brad what do you think about this story? Well, my initial thought was that I found that this, this particular article was kind of funny because it uh, it said it didn't want to compete against John Wick. Because, you know, last week, John, it was announced that John Wick had a release date in 2021, which I think is kind of, right. <laughs> I think, come on, I don't think John Wick is going to be competing with the Super Pets. You know, I uh, maybe, I, I think maybe that that's kind of a deflection. Maybe there's something else going on <laughs> behind the scenes that we don't know. But you know, I I'm, agree, I'm, man. You know, I'm willing to wait, but I really don't think that John Wick has one thing to do one way or another with the Super Pets movie. Yeah, I I, I can only think why why would the audience for John Wick and Super Pets be torn on that day as to which they were going to see? Um, it seems like it would be pretty clearly divided. Don't get me wrong. Um, you can like both movies. I just feel that the odds of someone going, man, I was really torn between which one I was going to see. I had to flip a coin. Still don't know how I feel about my choice. No, and the, and funny, uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is, too, is that it makes me realize how much of a non-typical fan I am because I know that had those movies both come out on the same day, I would go out... What, maybe a Friday or a Saturday to see John Wick and then the next day <laughs> going to see the Super Pets movie. <laughs> so to me, I want to see them both, even if they came out on the same weekend, you know. I'm so. sure you're not alone. I'm pretty sure that if, uh, you know, someone in the movie executive branch is listening right now, and there's always a chance they are, considering some of the potential uh, – future guest josh might be able to line up for us yeah, and that's just yeah. a big hint hint we're not saying yeah. anything concrete right Stay now tuned. we're just <laughs> yeah hey just you heard it here first there's a possibility but if they get a chance to you know maybe do some explaining we we would like to understand that because they they should know that you're not alone that the the great thing about seeing an action movie at night is that sort of like wow rah thrill and the great thing about seeing you know a kid's very fun, lighthearted movie during the day is it's easy and enjoyable and, and relaxing in so many ways. Why wouldn't you want to spend a weekend that way if it's available to you time-wise? I mean, yeah. I, I don't see the division. <laughs> yeah. I don't see yeah. the split, yeah, like I, you said. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's a big fans of uh, the Friends TV show, and I always love it when they have this scene where they've got the character Joey, and they're like, hey, man. What if you have this and this? Which would you pick? And he's like, put your hands together. And all I can think is in this situation, yeah. <laughs> man, come on. People are going to put their hands together. You're going to get yeah. all the numbers you need for both movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like it's a nice try to claim that this is about John Wick 4. And, and, and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, guys. Nice try. Um, however... Speaking on the topic still of comedic films that, you know, we can enjoy from DC Comics is the news that the Shazam Blu-ray has some additional release information available to us now. And, uh, you know, it, it's just sort of locking in some concrete details. Brad, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you speak a bit to which one's caught your eye the most and, you know, just come on back in. Yeah, I think the, the Shazam exclusive motion comic book. Uh, bonus feature is kind of interesting. Uh, now, from what I'm looking, they don't say exactly what issue that is, so I'm I'm curious what they what motion comic they would include. I guess a, a, 
I, I my money would go on the fact that it would be Jeff Johns Shazam number one from a few years ago. So, but I, I like the idea that that's going to be involved. Um, I'm sure the gag reel is going to be hilarious, and of course, I want to see the deleted scenes. So, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most on the bonus features. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest. Um, as I looked it over, you know, and I, I sort of just, you know, made the bold of a couple of things. One really brilliant idea: the fact that it's going to be July second. Seems like a really smart Uh, Mm -hmm. digital release, like right into the 4th of July weekend. So someone out there was doing their uh, marketing homework. And uh, and then the Blu-ray is going to be available on July 16th. So it seems like you'll be able to build up some digital interest. And then for those who are really excited about that uh, or have already seen it in theaters, will then be able to pick up their, you know, what do they call it now? Physical copy? Hard yeah. copy? I'm not yeah. even sure what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm losing track. Copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you'll be able to go ahead and pick that up. Um, I love the idea that you pointed out about the motion comic. I'm curious which one they're going to offer as well. Um, I've been kind of spoiled recently as I discovered on the DC Universe app that you can view comics on your television screen, which is just... Mm-hmm blown my freaking mind so you know the the idea of being able to check out a motion comic from shazam um yeah jeff johns number one seems like it would be a great introduction i mean that's really so much of what i feel this movie was based on i feel like that's something that we've kind of talked about a lot yeah and when i went to see it in the theater they were handing out copies of that issue and really seemed to be like an issue that they were using to promote the movie so i would have a feeling that it would be somewhere within that run yeah. Okay. Wow. I wasn't aware of that. That's really smart detail to, you know, keep in mind that, that, that really builds a lot of, uh, possibility into your suggestion there. And, uh, really makes me consider that. Um, I also, I, I'm just a sucker for what I feel is going to be a lot of fun from super fun Zach. I don't know what that means yeah. as far as one of these special features, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, super fun Zach. <laughs> yeah. Given mm-hmm. given what I've seen, just you know, uh, from him on screen, I, I, I feel like that's going to be a really funny moment. Um, deleted scenes, I agree with you, and and gag reel, and then I don't know why, but there's something about the carnival scene study. I feel like there's something yeah. loaded in there. Yeah, I was thinking that too because that was such that was like the biggest scene in the entire movie, both I think in length and just in scope and what they were trying to do. So. How they break that down, yeah, I agree. That's going to be very interesting because that could be that could be easily 45 minutes by itself, just how they did that scene. Agreed. I, I also am curious because I know there's been, as is so common, these, the Easter egg speculation that, that always comes after a movie comes out and how mm-hmm. much has been pointed to what Easter eggs are built in and loaded to you know that scene particularly and uh which elements are are ones that fans can you know pay attention to for future things and i really want to see what the official sort of look is going to point out about those things how much they're actually going to sort of declare how much they're actually going to say yeah you know we put that in there and we we kind of gave it for this reason and if you were paying attention well guess what you know you're a super cool fan because you noticed this and this is something that you know we put there just for guys like you, just for girls like mm-hmm. you, just for fans like you. Yeah. Um, and, and that part, it, it's kind of interesting because it seems like such a, a basic description. And yet it also feels like, well, carnival scene study. 
That sounds like we're going to analyze some stuff. And I really yeah. feel that there could be stuff that I think even the Easter egg hunters got wrong. You know, even the YouTube channels might have missed. And that's probably mm-hmm. going to be like some really great exposure and great opportunity to like, ooh, what's coming next? Is that going to be in the next movie? Will we get to see that? Um, so, yeah, that was probably the last one that, that sort of caught me because it seems so generic and yet also completely loaded. Well, you know, and and now that the movie has been released and it's been a hit uh, and it's more likely that it's going to get a sequel now as they plan the second movie, those Easter eggs and hints could have a lot more weight because that could be the things that they were going to bring into it rather than just these little like um, tosses out to fans. You know what I mean? Like, so. That'll be interesting too to speculate. Well, what could happen in the second, in the second movie? Yeah, I also uh, feel that it's an opportunity for the uh, people behind the sequel to sort of make their own sort of official statement about the things that they want to include. I really agree with that. Like, it's a chance to say, okay, these are things we want to, you know, really emphasize and really you know point out as far as hey we know what the sequel is going to be and we want to build your anticipation by looking at a couple of things within not only this but maybe something in a deleted scene you know that didn't get to show up and we can tease you that it might be showing up later on in the Mm -hmm. sequel or, or something else um yeah that's a great one man nice um yeah it's it's kind of fun to know that even though you've got those two previous projects we were talking about that we're we're now you know forced to wait on one for at least an additional year, the other one for an indeterminate time. We've got some concrete news about Shazam now. We can look forward to yeah. July second, mm-hmm. July sixteenth, and and some of the fun stuff in there that that you and I are both looking forward to. And anybody else out there, if there's something in there that we missed or you feel like, hey, this is something I'm looking forward to, let us know. Tag us at DC Comics News. I'd love to hear about it. I'm sure Brad would too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not to speak too much for him, but I, I'm, I'm going to say you probably like to <laughs> no, hear I would, it too. Yep, <laughs> I would. <laughs> and uh, that's not the last in the movie news announcements coming through. The last one actually has to do with Suicide Squad and an audition sample that may or may not give a clue to a plot. Could just be a whole bait and switch. Haha, we got you. Um, I had a chance to read it over, and uh, you know. Before I dive in, Brad, what were your what was your thoughts and take on this uh, little segment that's been you know yeah. revealed? I you know I uh, I don't think they would necessarily release it if it wasn't some kind of a hint. Uh, you know, and it, right now I think that it's definitely going to be a hint of something that's in the movie, but how big of a point that it's going to be is kind of I'm not sure yet. It could just be a little bit of the plot. Or it could be the whole, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. But I don't, you know, I don't think they would necessarily give that big of a chunk of the plot away. Uh, But I definitely don't think it's just some red herring audition tape. I think that there is something relevant to the plot of the movie that was included. I'm going to agree with you on that. It does feel like it's introducing some information that while relevant isn't going to be, you know, uh, astounding in its reveal or give away some giant, you know, sort of plot point, or even really, I feel, you know, too much about characters. Um, 
I was intrigued by the idea that it seems like they're trying to build a history. And I feel that that's sort of a neat thing in that uh, much like we've seen in other comic book universes, there's a, a, a desire to kind of look back to just how far back these characters go, how far back the DC universe is establishing itself as far as the timeline goes. And the idea that this is referencing uh, the Nazis, uh, World War II. Um, so we, we have sort of a reference point there because there's so many great characters that came out of those time timelines. Um, and also, just I was wondering what you were thinking about the idea of the introduction of the general. Did that bring anything to bear for you as far as uh, why they would have that one character be named and the other one be the unknown? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I... That's interesting. Like, um, maybe I don't know. I, I think maybe it was just to kind of distinguish the the characters. Um, it's hmm, yeah, I don't know because, like I was saying, I don't know how big of a part of the movie this was going to be. Is this is going to be one flashback scene, or you know what I mean? So it's <laughs> just kind of drawing its straws at this point. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, what do you think? Well, um, I, I was kind of stuck on it because really it's it's annoying that the only thing I, I could draw from was uh, Lois Lane's dad um, and the fact oh, that he's been such yeah. a figure because um, there's so much going on right now that I feel um, in the DC universe that is bringing up sort of these elements about Lois Lane and the family of Superman beyond just Superman himself. Um and part of that has to do with, you know, Lois Lane's dad being, you know, such a high, highly valued military commander. But also how there's been like uh, hints of, uh, you know, the Leviathan Rising storyline. Mm -hmm. um, like recently, and this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't caught up on their Supergirl. Give you a minute to bail out. Okay, so <laughs> they mentioned... They mentioned Leviathan in Supergirl right at the end of the last episode. And it really kind of intrigued me that they're ready to start bringing up this thing, which even now in comics is only sort of showing its head, you know, in so many issues. It's been sort of like this hinted at thing that's now on the move and we've actually got its own separate issue and, you know, these other things coming up for the summer. And uh, I'm just kind of intrigued by this idea of I wonder how much more prominence Lois Lane's dad and Lane's sort of military family can come into play because, you know, they did make a point of never showing or even sort of doing much more about Superman than saying his name. But the whole point behind Suicide Squad was what if we get another superpower guy on his level, but he doesn't share our values or she, whoever it might be. And that's the threat. And it seems like another way to sort of connect that universe would be bringing in General Lane, you know, and, and offering up that sort of like, hey, let me tell you what I know about these guys. Let me tell you what they can do. I don't know. That's a, yeah, that's that's just... a very that's a very cool theory. I hope that that would be great if that pans <laughs> out. I'd be all for that. Yeah, it, it just seemed. And then it made me think, OK, so that's me just taking it, you know, as, as best I can surface level kind of thing, but also then thinking, okay, if that's what I'm going with on the surface, what am I missing? You know what I mean? What other general am I not considering? Because, you know, there's, there's quite a few characters that we've had uh, in DC comics who 
have have been very influential that that could be used really well right now. Uh, I'm yeah. thinking back to the the storyline of uh, Captain Adam. You know, his his uh, creation was supposed to be a quote unquote military experiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went, you know, an accident that went wrong, and now it's an experiment. And now, in one of the, you know, the storylines, he was actually part of a American Heroes Creation Program. And I know the general involved in that would be an interesting character to bring in. And yeah. I'm trying to remember his name, and I can't. So right now, mm-hmm. I can just go off lane. Oh, sorry. Well, I, go ahead. Man. Yeah, because you you could it could be anybody because there's you know we don't know there's so much about the production that we don't know right now. And, gotcha. you know, I think we were talking earlier that it's just so much fun to speculate. And I think, you know, the Lane or the Captain Adam connection would be would be great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, I think also, like, it makes me just wonder, who am I missing who's got such a great presence that at the moment I'm just not thinking of it. But as soon as I heard their name or saw the reference point, it would be like, ooh nice touch way to bring in that history there and a uh, huge opportunity is probably the last thing i'm left with like wow what a great opportunity to bring yeah. in you know a particular general and and really just sort of start teasing the appetite of dc fans who know who that general relates to as far as superheroes or villains are concerned because mm-hmm. not all of our generals have been good either <laughs> yeah and that's that sort of makes the dc universe part fun Folks, uh, we're going to go ahead and take advantage of uh, this break that we've got right here. Pause for a few seconds so Josh can help us with that ad. Let us pay the bills so we can always keep coming back to you. Stay tuned with us. We'll be back with TV and streaming news in just a few seconds. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And we are back. Thanks for your patience. It was a quick ad. Very painless. I myself feel fine. I think Brad there had a chuckle, which means it was nothing for him either. And that means it's (laughs) exactly it's easy for us to move right into TV and streaming news because, uh, well, 
there's been quite a few projects in the TV and streaming news, especially on the DC Universe side, that have really been catching the attention of folks. And the one to sort of kickstart it off as far as original programming for DC Universe happened to be Titans, which is why it's fun to talk about this first little tidbit, which is about Connor Leslie lasso training for Titans Season 2. We had a couple of neat video clips and a little bit of description provided as well, just sort of, you know, talking about that. Brad, what did you think of uh, the clips? What did you think of the story? I mean, for the most part, just the tidbits that came out. Yeah, I... Uh... I like the fact that it, it's looking like uh, Donna Troy is going to have a bigger role in season two. Uh, I thought she was a good addition there towards the uh, end of season one. So, you know, I'm glad that's not going to be a wasted opportunity. And I like the idea that we're going to get to see the lasso in action. Uh, it kind of it brings back to, you know, what brought me into the Teen Titans back in the day or the Titans back in the day was the fact that they were kind of like these younger versions of all the main heroes. So, you know, now we have closer to that Wonder Woman. Uh, so I, I just love the fact that she's, you know, playing with the lasso. I came into Teen Titans for almost the same reason. I mean, Teen Titans, later when they were Titans, I wanted to see these sidekicks, essentially. These younger partners, younger versions. It started with me with uh, Kid Flash, um, Wally West, watching him run around in the yellow and red. Because when I had started reading him, it was when he was already the, the adult. Barry was gone. And he was carrying so much weight, you know what I mean? He was yeah. he was constantly under the burden of how does he live up to, you know, the example of Barry. And also he was kind of a screw up, so he would make money and lose money. He was terrible in relationships. And then when I heard that you could see this kid, you know, as a kid, it was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. This is great. How do I do this? Well, you can see some of it with the old flash tiles, but those were kind of hard to get a hold of. And yeah. if I wanted to see stuff, I could find, for some reason, easier Teen Titans issues and Titans. Um, and then I really came to love these these sidekicks. And Donna is one of those great ones. I, I love the fierceness behind her. I love her passion. I loved watching her become, mm -hmm. you know, a young adult in one of the earlier timelines of DC universe um, or DC comics, not to confuse everybody with the streaming platform in the comics. For me, DC universe used to mean comics, yeah. just comics. So uh, I sometimes befuddle that. Um, but when I came to this video, I, I couldn't help but agree with you. One, the lasso, which I always thought was like this great symbol and emblem of, uh, of Wonder Woman from the old TV shows, Linda Carter to the comic books, but also the idea of that was almost a way of making Donna Troy so authentic. You know, she wasn't just mm -hmm. someone who could leap and kick and punch as hard as Diana and maybe had the bracelet. She had a lasso too. And that's, yeah. that's just, you know, that's something that gives her that extra sort of like, Oh yeah, I'm with Wonder Woman. Check the lasso. Hi. Ready to rock? <laughs> let's let's have some fun. Um, and also, man, you know, lassos never look easy. So the fact that she seemed to be tossing around with these makes me think we might get to see some really cool stuff um, with her using the lasso. Because one thing I remember about, you know, watching the first couple years of uh, Arrow was that Ollie was pretty good on the salmon climb and or the salmon ladder, as they call it, and firing the bow. But they would show him doing training off season 
And after a couple of seasons, suddenly he was doing things where I thought to myself, you've been practicing. And I think the more practice she puts in, the more cool stuff we'll get to see in Titan season two. Yeah, because there's always a little more authenticity into it, of course, when they can do their own stunts and when they, you know, and if she can do her own lasso work, then I think that that frees up what they can do and how they can film things. So, yeah, absolutely agree. Agreed. Yeah, I like the authenticity factor, too. Um, way to link that behind. I, I was thinking about it, but I don't think I, I was using the words in that way. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to also see that they mentioned the idea that we'll get a chance to see her in costume, that she was already fitted for the costume, even yeah. though season one just had her referencing it's, you know, it's in storage which uh, just seems to be part of this building process behind Titans. We know they've got the tools. We know they've got the, you know, the outfits. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's just a matter of, you know, what's going to be the reason to bring them out. It sounds like this cast of characters joining Deathstroke, the family, and uh, the introduction also of a few others, including a Bruce Wayne and Connor. I mean, it looks like <laughs> season two could be the moment when we get to see everybody suit up. And um, that's not the only news coming out for Titans 2. The announcement that Drew Van Acker has been cast to play Aqualad for season two. What did you, uh, what did you think about this announcement, Brad? Do you have any, uh, you know, insight, experience, uh, well, reference I, points for this guy? You know, I think that it's, uh, you know, it seems like it's been rumored for a little while. So the fact that it seems to be now confirmed is is a good sign. And I think I mentioned this before on the podcast that even though these people are cast and we know who they're playing, we don't know how big of a role those characters are going to be in the second season. Uh, So at this point, I'm just glad to see that he's on board. And I'm glad, like I said, when we were talking about Donna Troy, that they're bringing back these characters from earlier Teen Titans and not like the Titans that most people know now, like, you know, just, you know, just the team that we got with the first season, Starfire and Beast Boy and Cyborg. I'm glad that they're going back to the, you know, the Donna Troys and the Aqualads to, you know, to those older characters. I think those older characters help provide that that foundation and that also including um, characters like Hawk and Dove are also a great example of what you were just saying, which is while these characters have been listed as appearing in the show, we don't know to what degree and what role they'll play. After all, Hawk and Dove had appearances, but it's not like they were there in the final episodes as part of, you know, the big standoff fight off. Um, also, you know, we saw appearances of characters like Jason Todd, who were there to move the story along or provide information and you know also develop themselves but they weren't key points to this main team that we were witnessing from the beginning of it through to that finale and uh it it seems like if we keep that in mind then even though they're talking about the fact there's going to be a big cast your point which is something that we need to keep in mind every time we hear new information is yeah but that doesn't mean we're going to be seeing them episode after episode after episode and we're going to be looking to see how much quality quote-unquote screen time they're able to get um you know and the thing is too that if they do good and people like like and respond to the character then maybe that will mean like a season three a bigger role 
And I, I think one of the things that I like about this expanded casting and all these characters they're bringing in is it shows that they have faith in it, you know, that they don't, that they want it to expand and to go season after season, you know, so it, it, they it show some confidence in what they what they feel about the, the future of the show. Definitely. It shows some confidence. And as we've mentioned before, you know, when you bring these characters in, it's the short appearance and the reaction that can sort of provide a guidance for what you want to do with them throughout the rest of, you know, the following seasons or following episodes. If we get a chance to see Aqualad for maybe one or two episodes, but it lets us know that fan response was so strong that season three or four could have us visiting their homeworld, getting a chance to see the undersea environment through their eyes. And maybe as a contrast to what was seen in Aquaman, that's how we find out that it's working or not. Put a little bit of screen time, see what the fan response is like. And if it's strong enough, then you know that that's a storyline avenue that you can open up for later down the road. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the idea that, that you're bringing out with all these different options that are available when we bring in this many characters. And also when we bring in characters that are so, you know, kind of monumental to the sort of history of uh, Titans. Anybody, uh, anybody else that you feel like uh, we should try and add on at some point so that we've we've. I guess covered all the bases when it comes to some of those founding members of the Titans that we we haven't seen yet, or do you think well, we're, we're getting I, close to complete? Well, I think you brought up a, a great one with Kid Flash. You know, it'd be great to see him show up, even though Flash is kind of you know with the possible movie coming out and the Flash TV show going, I know that would be kind of saturation, but it would be cool to see the Kid Flash show up. See, it's easier when you say it instead of me, because Steve has pointed out on a few occasions my love for the Flash. And, you know, <laughs> if I'm the one just pitching, yeah, yeah, more more kid Flash, let's go, that can get a little bit much. But, yeah, I want to see him, too. I, I, I really would love to see a version of Kid Flash. Um, I'd actually, you know, be cool with seeing the CW Kid Flash come over. I feel he's been underused in the Arrowverse, yeah. and uh, yeah. he would be a welcome addition. And I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing a little bit more of a <clears throat> Titans version of him. You know, I mm -hmm. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Wally's yeah, got absolutely. the chops. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. So would I. And also, I think as far as other characters, I think the fact that they're bringing in Jericho and Deathstroke and you know the whole Deathstroke family, those would be characters that I definitely would want to see. But the fact that I know that they're going to be there in some form for the second season. Then, you know, I, I can't wait. That for me is reason enough to tune into the second season because those stories, those original stories in the comics were very iconic. They really struck a chord with me when I started reading those stories. I mean, like I said, uh, I got into it because of kid flash, but I stayed because suddenly these, these kids we're facing challenges that I thought to myself, this is Justice League level stuff. They're, they're, they're taking on, you know, threats and, you know, betrayals and all these other things. And wow, that's a lot to deal with, man. <laughs> I don't think yep. I could handle that. And, and they seem to just really, you know, 
do so much together. I, I thought that was really some of their best examples of, of being a team when they had to come together against threats like Deathstroke, like the family, and like the betrayals that they eventually all yeah. experienced. Um, you know, and, and it reminds me when when you bring that up that Flash, Kid Flash was a huge part of that as far as being part of, you know, how to bond with Gar over his right. sort of sense of what happens and what he experiences with, yeah. uh, you know, his own betrayals. And, oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, love's hard, man. You, you kind of need your buddy there. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. It'd be nice to have a kid flash around for him like that. But, uh, you know, we're also seeing that they're looking towards the future a bit with, you know, uh, a Connor and other characters that weren't part of the original sort of run of the Titans, but have since their introduction seemed more and more like they're part of that, you know, main fabric, that sort of main team structure. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see how much more of the future they're also going to keep considering as this season continues. And as they start looking ahead afterwards, because, you know, there's, there's always going to be that pool. How much of the past are you able to conclude or include? And then also, how how much of the you know more present day versions are you going to be looking to add in there? Because some of those characters we're seeing and have seen in the last fifteen to twenty years, you know, they've they've made an impact and they've they've become pretty popular, popular enough to yeah. maybe end up on screen too. Yeah, and a character like Connor, I think I've mentioned this before too, is the fact that you can't bring in a character that powerful and then just not do anything with him and then say, okay, he's now off doing A, B, and C. It's, you know, so if he's they're going to bring Connor in, yeah, you can't really do that. So I think that if they were going to bring Connor in, that they they have to do it in the right way, and he's got to be here to stay for a while. That's that's my hope with the Connor character in season two. I think that's a good one to uh, you know to look at, also because I feel like he's going to be maybe then part of uh, a framework and a, a friendship that can be formed um, with Nightwing. Similar to what we saw with Connor and uh, the different versions of Robin. And and that's that sort of thing of like, hey, man, we both have dads or father figures or role models to live up to. And it's not easy, like no matter how you slice it, you know, and they both kind of have that that sort of shared experience in that idea. Uh, whether it's Connor trying to be like Superman dealing with his dual, you know, parentage of that and uh, Lex or, you know, the fact that so much about Titans has seemed to be about Dick trying to get away from, you know, the Batman version that he fears he's potentially turning into. Um, so thanks, man. Yeah, the the Connor edition that that really brings up some other points that even as I'm thinking about it now are going to be really cool to see. Um yeah, hard to complain when it comes to that. I don't have any experience really with Drew Van Acker. Did you want to add anything about anything you might have seen him in or familiar? Well, with I, him? I, you know, I, I have seen Pretty Little Liars, uh, and he, he was in Pretty Little Liars, and I got no complaints with him. I mean, he did a good job. I could see him. I could see him in the role. Okay, I, uh, uh, you, I don't have a previous experience, so you know, I'm kind of leaning on you for that. One. <laughs> yeah, I think that. That the character uh, in Pretty Little Liars was a big enough character that he could he could play a role that has a uh, he could play an Aqualad that has a bigger role in season two. So it's not like it's just a cameo here and there. I think that he would be good enough to at least you know to definitely bring the character into a bigger arc. 
going forward. Well, I certainly like the sound of that. I've enjoyed the different versions of Aqualad that I've had the, the chance to experience. And whether it was uh, Calder or Tempest, I've always sort of enjoyed that there's a real investment into these characters being more than just, you know, younger versions of their older mentors. And uh, in both examples, I think you really get a chance to see that. The fact that we've now got a, you know, an actor cast who can, you know, carry the role of of calder if that ends up being who we've got then uh that would be really great because he's got a storied history and it's nice to know that we'd have an actor who can you know bring that to life on screen and do it powerfully and that is our uh our sort of last bit of information when it comes to the tv and streaming news which means all we have left now is the source material which is comic book news and as exciting as that is for me to usually move into, that's the source. That's sort of, you know, where this all began for me. And I, I know for Brad, too. And in so many ways, mm-hmm. aside from movie, a few movies and television that were sprinkled in our childhoods, um, you know, <laughs> comics yeah. were sort of the super guarantee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. Super Friends, a Superman movie, and a few limited options in between. And yep. those were few and far between, especially with television viewing options at the time. Um but comic book news always meant comic books, which was that mainstay. And comic books are going to have great news sometimes, and sometimes news that's not so great. And other times, it's going to have news that's going to make you just really wonder what the hell's going on and when we'll ever really get the full story. And by that, I'm referring to the announcement sometime, I want to say, early midweek about Tom King leaving Batman will be stepping away sometime around 85 is is what we're hearing and hopefully will be eventually completely confirmed in some way um concretely because right now it still feels like everything's in flux but that he'll leave and we'll be petting a batman catwoman limited series that will finish the run of his storyline that will be ending in 85 but picking up here there's a lot of mystery and confusion behind this Brad and instead of me just bumbling around about how I'm trying to make it make sense as describing it what's your reaction to this story and what's been going on overall well I think that I would like to be a fly on the wall at the DC offices when all this was going down because I'm curious what what's the real deal here is does Tom King have some kind of a creative difference where DC wants to take the book or does the editorial of DC, you know, with the year of the villain that's going down now, did they realize that just editorially and story-wise they couldn't do it with, with what Tim, uh, what Tom King wanted to do with the story? So they said, okay, because of what's going to be coming down the pike, we have to do this with Batman, but we're going to give you that chance to wrap up your story details with this limited series because Catwoman was such a big part of his run on Batman that. Um, he would have had to do something to you know, tie all that up. So I, I just kind of wish I knew a little bit more about what was really, really going on. I would love to be that fly on the wall. I would love for the two of us to be there, maybe fighting over some sort of like, you know, I don't know, you know, scrap as we <laughs> nibble away and listen to them hash out exactly what's going on, who comes to who, and how this this all sort of 
began and eventually was hashed out. Um, a couple of things I wanted to bring up that I really feel aren't mentioned in this article, but have been part of the ongoing thing and part of sort of the ongoing um, release of information we've been getting with this is the fact that in my, it's my understanding, Brad, that, that Tom King had already said that the majority of his story, including the city of Bain, would be wrapping up in 85, that, that everything would be coming to conclusion then. And that it was from 85 to 100 that he planned on having this revolutionary generational change to the character that would reshape everything about Batman and DC Comics. Does that sound, am I recalling everything correctly to you? Yeah, no, you know, I, th- I think you're right. And, you know, and that goes into again with maybe that was, maybe the whole thing was an editorial decision over, you know, over the entire DC Universe comics in general that, because of what's going to happen, they can't go with what Tom King originally wanted. So they had to change things up a little bit. And that's why it's ending at 85 instead of, you know, 100 or, you know, wherever he was going to go with it. I can see that definitely. I mean, the year of the villain and the different pieces that have to be involved in order for that to be a complete storyline, I would imagine at some point would have to include Catwoman and everything about her relationship with Bane and every other aspect of the Gotham and also the DC underworld. She's a major player. She can't just, you know, sit this one out, uh, whether by choice or by demand, there's going to have to be some part played by her. And yeah, if that conflicts with what had originally been agreed to either in word or any other terms with Tom, then that's going to be something that has to be negotiated. There has to be some sort of a, hey, we want to respect your book and we'd love to keep it outside of this timeline for however long if we could. But in order for the story that's bigger than one book that's as big as the entire universe and as big as one of these big story campaigns can get, um, we need those characters. We need access to them in different ways, which means what we agreed to has to change. And we have to find a way to respect what you wanted to do, give you a chance to maybe complete it, but also make this title available for the things we needed to do for Year of the Villain and all the other things that come with it. Because Year of the Villain's just the next sort of chapter in this whole saga that's been going on ever since the source wall broke, ever since, yeah. you know, things changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've seen that effect in Justice League Dark. We've seen it in so many other titles. It's not hard to imagine that it's going to, you know, stretch its fingers into the Batman universe and to Batman, Catwoman. And this is just one of those things that was sacrificed or in some other way altered because of that. Am I, am I kind of getting it right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a challenge for me simply because I, I've i heard, you know, I've got a couple of friends uh, who tag me on Facebook with stories like this. And when it was announced that King was going to be doing this huge change to Batman from issues 85 to 100, uh, there was already some pushback. I mean, uh, my friend referenced that he heard some like really homophobic responses, uh, you know, ideas that Batman might be turned into a gay, bi, or... Uh, character who uh, represents the LGBTQ uh, community and all sorts of theories that have that have sort of you know 
been sort of spun out there ever since Tom King started talking about this big change coming. Um, it's hard not to consider that the pushback, the backlash to some of that could have played a role, but that's just my sort of understanding as I've experienced it from people letting me know. Did, did you have any sort of awareness of, of, of any sort of pushback from the community, social or otherwise, social media or otherwise, about this no. big change he suggested? No, it just seemed though it did have the the fact that he he was leaving the book did kind of break my Facebook page, and you know <laughs> our our um, Slack group, you know, <laughs> it, I was getting so many dings that night when that news finally hit. Everybody had an opinion, so people are reacting to it. But I, I haven't heard in those you know any of those big changes being like that. I guess my my terms when I think of big changes, it's not necessarily that, but just somebody dies or somebody, you know, something happens where a character, you know, he gets like when he's back broke, things like that. But, you know, you could be right. Um, yeah, maybe those are the kind of changes. So that's, hmm, you know, that's interesting. That kind of focuses me to think about it in a different way. Well, it's a challenge for me because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and going, okay, uh, where's your source? Where's your, you know, basis for this? Yeah. But also thinking, okay, if this is just one example of the fear reaction side of things, then it doesn't really matter which sort of reasoning people are focusing on. If their thought is you can't change the fundamental foundational Batman. I mean, to be honest, until that suggestion or any of those suggestions that I started, these theories uh, started, you know, sort of coming in front of my eyes. All I could think of was, I wonder if they're going to make him like peaceful or something. Or, you know, is he going to take a holistic or, approach? Or you could or... go the opposite way and say maybe it'll make him want to kill. And, right, Batman and picks those up the things gun. I would, yeah, and right, and you do that. I mean, that's that's hard to come back from because that's been such that has been a major uh, pillar of that character. So, I agree. It just really feels like there are so many different things. I guess you could be afraid of, and it just seemed to really strike a chord with me. The idea that not long after the announcement came, that Tom was like, "Yeah, I'm." Well, I'm sorry. I keep referring to him like I know this guy on the first name <laughs> basis. Uh, when Tom King said, I'm, I'm going to do something after City of Bane, I'm going to do something in those last 15 that's going to change everything. It seemed like within a week of that, suddenly I'm seeing he's off the book. And all I could think was, OK, I don't know what, but that seems really fast for him to say, I'm going to do this giant change. And then really quickly afterwards, oh, no. I'm going to be doing it in this max or this limited series run instead. And it'll be Batman and Batman and Catwoman. Right. Which that brings up a question that I was going to pose to you is, do you think that that big change he's talking about, do you think that could just be pivoted to the Batman Catwoman series? Because, you know, they, you know, DC said, Hey, you have 12 issues to do it. So not six, you know, so it does, you know, you could tell a lot of story and make a lot of change in 12 issues. So maybe that's where that change will come. I do. And, and actually, um, my thing without even sort of going in the direction that you had already brought up, which was the idea of the year of the villain and other larger arcing storylines taking precedence and requiring this adjustment. My thinking was actually that there's a part of and this could be, this is just total conjecture on my part. I take full responsibility for it. But it was simply that 
what he was going to do was something that they didn't want to include in the main Batman title because they needed to see how people were going to respond to it first. And then they could make the decision about how much of it was actually going to be canon. If that, you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. And totally. it really it really feels like there was this, well, given whatever the response was to whatever the suggestion is, or, you know, we made a deal, which was we'd announced that you're going to do this big change. And if the response was the following, then we pull it out of the main title. We put it in the separate one. And then we we go from there and sort of just sort of see how things go attitude and that part of the negotiation was we'll let you tell your story but we can't let you tell it in the main title and whatever the reason was behind that that's that's actually where i i feel this spinoff became the the agreed upon okay you can tell your story but you can only tell your story this way and um yeah that's that's when you when you brought up that question i was like you know you're pointing exactly to what my initial concern was they didn't want to have whatever the changes are to occur in the main title mm. so that maybe they could do a disavow kind of thing or yeah, right, hey, that's... they could even it. There's time enough to come out and say, hey, this is going to be like an Elseworlds title or it's going to be a black label title. You know, it's going to be outside of continuity, outside of canon. So, yeah, yeah that's really my main concern <laughs> is I felt that there was some sort of response that, that required this decision, you know? Yeah. Um, guess, guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you know that's, that's the only thing. In the end, we'll we'll find out. And you know, at some point, I'd love to hear what the real conversation was and all the elements that sort of led to it. Um, I mean, at the same time, the the fact that he will get to tell the story in some form or fashion is to me uh, something I can appreciate. You know, we're we're both writers. A lot of people listening to are creative writers, artists, storytellers um, who are all involved in the craft in some way, potentially, or just fans of it. And the idea that you can have this great, creative, challenging idea and, and do something with it is, is what inspires creative pursuit. And uh, mm-hmm. I was really frustrated when I heard he was leaving the title before I heard about this you know, limited series because I was like, man can't you just let the guy have a chance to tell his story and let the story stand on its own? If the story's bad, fine, you know, but you made a deal with him, stick with it. Right. Yeah. And uh, at least in this instance, he'll have the chance to, to tell it in the limited series. And that, you know, isn't my, you know, desire for it to have turned out. I would have rather them stick with the, the, the agreed upon, Hey, get this through number 100 and then, We'll go from mm-hmm. there. You can step away and that's your run. But uh, I can live with the fact that he still gets to tell his story because um, the last thing I wanted to hear was about him eventually going to some other universe and either creating a character or taking a character and trying to find a way to tell his story in that universe, which is something that, you yeah. know, right. creators and especially, have done. <laughs> and, yeah. And especially since he's been on it, on it so long in the main DC universe, you know, he's, he steered that ship for a while now. So having, you know, not being able to, you know, to have him finish that story in that world would be a disservice. So I think you're, I, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, uh, you know, it's, it's something I'm, you know, really glad that he gets to finish here and I, I have so much respect for him after enjoying, you know, his vision, his work on Mr. Miracle. I mean, I really thought to myself, wow, you know, if we don't get to see what, what he was working on all the way through, 
we're going to be missing out. It's, it's our loss. You know, he's showing us things about these characters that we benefit from seeing. And uh, I, I think I'm really just overall relieved that we'll get to see his story get told. And I, I think you really hammered it home even more so for me with that recognition of, yeah, for somebody who's been around for this long, who's, you know, put such a stamp not only on the character, but on his name in the universe. This, this is a guy who deserves that. He's, he's earned it. Um, you know, it's not just a, a a little bit of a, oh, hey, yeah, well, here's some recognition. It's a, no, hey, man, you, you have the right to tell your story, and mm-hmm. you get to tell it in this way. Um, and he's not the only Batman news sort of getting everybody's attention uh, in the comic book world. There's another version of Batman, and this one I like. I mean, I really like. And it was announced with a trailer the Batman Last Night on Earth trailer was dropped back on the 23rd. I got a chance to check it out before I start gushing. Brad, you have the honors, my friend. <laughs> I, I just want to say that Fury, Mad Max Fury Road was one of my favorite movies of the past you know, few years. And this looks like a Batman meets Mad Max story. Joker's head is a lantern. Oh man, <laughs> Wonder Woman with a mohawk! I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. I love the idea of Bruce Wayne wandering the wasteland, uh, and that's kind of the vibe that I got from it. I don't know. I don't know if you would agree with that, but that's kind of what I felt by seeing. You know, that's what I got from this trailer. I definitely got that feeling from this trailer. I got that sense of so many different popular uh, post-apocalyptic dystopias. Um, Everything from what you just mentioned, Mad Max, whether it was Fury Road, whether it was way back in the early days of Road Warrior or uh, Thunderdome, or whether it was stuff like, man, um, Steel Dawn, or mm-hmm. even even a few others that, that come to mind that are a little more recent. Um, I can even think of a, you know, a Van Damme cyborg and a, a few others that... <laughs> even Old Man Logan, going back to, the, to straight up comics got a little bit of that feel too it definitely has that feel and i was wondering if i was going to be the first one to bring that up or if you were because it not only has an old man logan but it has an old man sort of slash fill in the character sort of feel to it which has been a theme that we've been seeing over from our marvelous competitors and it's it's been something that i think others are recognizing is a, a great way of sort of looking ahead do you remember when Elseworlds would do some stories like that with DC? There was like a Justice League and a few others that would do this 5, 10, 15 years in the future. Yeah. What, what, what yeah. kind of happened? And this feels like taking one of those and sort of stretching it, you know, and mm-hmm. sort of just stripping it down a bit, making it really bare bones by focusing on just Batman. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, because they've they've adapted some really cool Elseworld, story, Elseworld stories in the past, especially with, like, Gotham by Gaslight. So that going in that route seems like it makes total sense with what they've done in the past. Yeah, I think it's a really smart move. Um, I'll be honest, we, we both get a chance to read advanced copies before they're released to the public so we can do our reviews on them. And this title was included in the batch we just got, and I've already read it, and I love it. Uh, oh, unquote. see, I've I've it, held off, so yeah. <laughs> maybe when we stop recording, you can let me know how it is. But, uh, we can have a yeah. chat about that afterwards, yeah. definitely. Um, 
but the neat thing was after having read it being able to go back and think about the trailer and really appreciate how the trailer does the comic uh, a lot of justice it really represents the comic very well um it almost makes me sort of hope that there will be an animated version of this at some point in the future and that would be a great movie animated series shorts whatever right yeah like i was saying like when they did that with gotham by gaslight it seems the whole trailer seems to kind of be set up in that way like this is going to be a great animated movie down you know down the pike yes it will not only that but uh without giving any spoilers what they start doing as far as what we know about the the batman you know mythos and some of the examples we've seen in the future this takes a really fun twist and it brings in some of those ideas of okay what sort of evils will he eventually turn to what sort of dark options will he consider as the future gets more grim and uh i can't wait to hear from other people what they think about once they've had a chance to read this because uh, i've really been enjoying uh that premise and i really feel that the trailer does this great job of teasing it all without giving anything away it's only afterwards that you're like oh you know they could have said a lot more and they were smart in not doing it they just showed us the world and they just let us know what all the things in it look like now mm-hmm. and you, you can really enjoy it just from that level you can enjoy it from another level after you've read the comic and i think that's usually the mark of a great trailer you know that it yeah. it gives you all that sort of anticipation and yet afterwards you look back and go wow and it still told me so much already without giving anything away and and that's a that's a sign of a, a really good process involved and hopefully i think a sign to uh, that that eventual animated thing that that should be in the pipeline i'm guessing yeah um, i hope <laughs> i mean I, like i said just judging by that trailer seeing that kind of animation um yeah yeah i think i think it's perfect for yeah, an it, animated movie it makes a lot of sense and it also seems like we've already got some great teams that would be able to just pick that up and start running with it um now to sort of wrap up the last bit of comic book news we've got the announcement that justice league will be getting a new logo and essentially it's vastly different than past versions um but without getting even more into anything like that yeah We've talked about some logo changes recently, things like Detective Comics and others have been making some big announcements. What did you think about this news as it relates to Justice League, Brett? I like it. I like that they brought the star back um, in the logo. I, uh, Why do you like that? Because uh, it, 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 it uh, harks back to like the old classic logo, um, like way back when it first debuted. So it kind of just had a little hint of that, but not going overboard with the retro feel. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of dug that. And it seems like to me when a lot of times when DC changes logos, it means that there's some kind of big change coming. Um, example so, you want to give? Uh, well, New 52 uh, is a big example because I think that from if my memory serves me correctly, they changed that DC logo right around that time. Um, or maybe it was a little bit before that. Maybe it was right when they were doing like Countdown to Infinite Crisis and all that. But that whole there was that big change going on, you know, that happened after that. Whenever they changed that new DC logo, and um, and go- going back to what we're talking about with Batman is what what's going to happen with this year of the villain. 
maybe there's going to be a lot of a lot more change than we realized, which is interesting in the fact that between uh, Doomsday Clock and Heroes in Crisis, it seems like we're and the source wall breaking and everything that happened in Dark Knights of Metal. It seems like there's been a lot of change in the DC universe lately. So maybe there'll be even more. So anyway, <laughs> sum it up. I like the new logo. <laughs> well, those are all really good reasons. I mean, I mean, <laughs> one, I, I think uh, you're right about the change of the rebirth logo, the new 52 adjustment occurring like right before or either, if not right before, right at the same time then as that adjustment. And with the, uh, Detective Comics, that occurred with 1001, if I remember correctly, the most recent one. And that was also the announcement of the uh, Arkham Knight and that storyline, which is now Mm -hmm. a couple of issues in and is bringing to light this sort of new take um, on Batman, which which I get a kick out of. Have you been following Detective Comics one? Not as much as I should have. Um, That's okay. I just I uh, I just read and this was i mean this is a while ago the uh his his team up with satana in detective comics the uh dsx machina i think is what it was uh, right it was like was, the precursor to the jld right yeah right yeah and that's funny that's why one of the reasons why i read it because steve was going on and on about it he said if you if you like justice league dark pick this up because it's kind of uh like a mini prequel to it almost um, so unfortunately with the tech of comics, I'm a little bit behind. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I was just going to reference that there's been some development regarding how the Arkham Knight came to be and how it's a, it's a new take on the, um, the response that Batman had when he saw the symbol of the bat and it sort of made the idea of a symbol of the night and how that's been so much a part of his origin. And this takes that idea and puts it, you know, essentially what does the symbol of the bat mean to somebody else? If it had that same sort of transformative effect, but mm-hmm. with a different purpose. And um, it, it makes me think about what you were just saying about how these logo changes often coincide with a big event like that. And that sort of take on Batman and his sort of story in Detective Comics could be a good model for us to keep in mind with the Justice League. This idea that, okay, we could have some, you know, big changes coming into what exactly the Justice League might be facing. Um, Whether it's a different version of themselves, potentially, Um, you know, some team that, that challenges them uniquely each or as a team or something that you were pointing to, which is we've had all these different changes coming with the source wall and all these other developments that maybe it's just part of that sort of shockwave effect that's led to events like doom um the the different justice league titles everything from no justice to odyssey and now you're the Mm -hmm. villain that that maybe this justice league changes is part of one of those ripple effects and it might keep changing or it might be a signal to a, a new arc sort of developing as part of that big long story that's been going. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Brad, you bring up good stuff, man. I like that. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> as soon as I start tossing around, I'm like, Oh, well now that I got to work that into the you know, equation, <laughs> this is going to be really interesting. Um, yeah. 
And uh, any thoughts just because, you know, they, they point out that it's, it's coming up pretty quick and we've got Justice League 25 coming our way. Have you been following? Not to put you on the spot, man. Have you yeah. been following Justice League? I've uh, been, I've been following it a little closer than Detective Comics um, because I'm really I'm, I'm right now with Justice League. I'm really enjoying the spinoff books, you know, like Odyssey and you know, Justice League Dark. Um, I think. And overall, I think that all the Justice Leagues are in a really good spot. I'm really enjoying what's going on. So I'm not necessarily entirely caught up, but I'm uh, closer than I am with uh, with Detective Comics. Gotcha. They seem to be building towards, of course, you know, a monumental event as we get closer to issue number 25. So this would seem like a really good transition point as well for that. You know, Detective Comics waited for number 1001, Justice League waiting for right around number 25, um, clearly timing is everything and when it comes to timing that's the last bit of information we have about our comic book news we've got a couple of tidbits on the other news category and moving right into the first one is the announcement that mattel will be extending the dc license in key toy categories there's a whole lot of information in here what stuck to you brett what stuck to me is just the fact that I think Mattel realizes that they are sitting on a gold mine with these licenses. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dig. I think that, yeah, and I think that the superhero girls is very popular and people love it. And the characters are just so loved, you know, and so iconic. The fact that they're bringing them to uh, like cars, I think that was what was it? I don't know if it was Hot Wheels or whatever it was, but that you know, like the little vehicles that they can make, and I think that gotcha. That's that's perfect. I think that those characters are perfect for things like that. You can have Batmobiles, you can have little Joker cars like they used to make. Um, so I just think from a financial standpoint, I think it makes definite good sense that Mattel held onto it and extended the license because it's just like printing money. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like the gold mine or the printing money one better, but <laughs> I think they're both great examples of the fact that if you're paying attention, not only one is Mattel one of the best and leaders as far as do- dolls, toys, what have you, but as you mentioned, also the vehicles, but they've got a built in opportunity with rising star characters like DC superhero girls. Um, I can tell you right now, that I've got two nieces, and this is to Aylin and Sienna. Uncle Seth says, yeah, I know all about how much you guys love DC Superhero Girls because there's always this information changing around. First, the oldest was Wonder Woman. Now she's Supergirl, and now the youngest is Wonder Woman. And they just love watching these characters and getting wrapped up in their stories. And then I even heard from a friend of mine recently that his daughter's into it. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's kind of interesting because I was kind of checking it out. And I realized, wait, this isn't like the characters from the comics. And I'm like, no, they've got their own stories. This is a yeah. high school environment. So you get to do so much more, which means Mattel has a chance to show us like, you know, science versions of DC superhero girls, DC superhero girls going out on an adventure and where, you know what I mean? Like you have so many options available to represent and ways you can do it from, as you said, great examples with the vehicles, which genius. I mean, who doesn't want to see the Harley Quinn mobile in like five different versions. (laughs) 
not only that, but you've got these other great characters who have vehicles, you know, whether it's Batgirl or any other non-powered, non-flight character who wants to get around town. You could even have the invisible jet. I mean, you could so much you could do. See, exactly. And who wouldn't love a modern version of the invisible jet, yeah. you know, to offer up to their daughter, niece, um, cousin, whatever. Um, yeah. So it seems like something that Mattel, like you said, should just keep doing because if they're printing money, they get to spend it. And there's a bonus there. Um, yep. And and they're not the only ones sort of sitting on a gold mine. Um, Todd McFarlane has teased that he's going to be releasing some new DC Comics figures. And I mean, Todd McFarlane is a name that, you know, started out just spawn in so many ways. Spawn, Todd McFarlane, yeah. spawn. Boom. And now the transition into these beautiful 3D works. Um, what's your take on on his sort of like, hey, DC comic stuff coming? What'd you think about that? I you know, I love it, but we've been hearing this for a while now. I just want more concrete details. Um, because you know, I one of you know, I think the first podcast that I recorded for DC Comics News was right after I went to Toy Fair. And one of the first news stories that we talked about was the McFarland toys. And I was kind of, I bummed remember that, that. Right. And I was so bummed that I did not get to see, uh, you know, any mock-ups or any, you know, any sketches or anything from any of these DC characters. She's been kind of throwing breadcrumbs. And I just, I just want to know what they're going to be because in the end though, it doesn't really matter because they're McFarland toys and they're going to be absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so I, I just want to see him. You know, I just want I just want more info at this point. Yeah, I I'll, I'll take a boot or a glove or a mask. I mean, just a snapshot. Yeah. Just just yeah. give me a peek. That's that's all I'm saying, guys. Give me one peek. Give me one logo, yeah. one symbol, and and I'll be fine. And that'll sort of like get me going. But I do remember that one of the first. I think it was the first one that you and I recorded together. You had just gotten back from Toy Fair, and you know we were all excited about the fact that you got to see early versions of the the Luchadores and all yeah. these other great figures. And yet, you know that's the one that you couldn't get, you know, a chance to see. And ever since then, it's been like, I don't know, the White Stag, the the Moby Dick. <laughs> you yeah, know, there's, I mean, I there's thought, reports, well, but <laughs> you know, coming back from it, I thought, well did I miss something, you know, because I had an appointment set up and, you know, I went through and saw everything that they had to display and it was, you know, it was all cool, but it was not, it was not DC. It was not, you know, and even back then it was just hints. So I'm glad that this far removed from toy fair, that it's still just kind of, you know, no concrete details, just still hints. So I don't feel like I really missed anything when I did see their, um, you know, their display at toy fair. Well, I am glad that, that you didn't miss anything. I am going to say that I join you in my frustration that if there's going to be another Todd McFarlane DC story, it better include a picture. One picture. Yeah. That's yep. minimum. Otherwise, yep. I don't want to hear about it. I'm walking away. <laughs> right. Because right. you can only tease me so much without giving me something to tease me about. Um, you know, I mean... So many things that we've had, we've just been given a glimpse and it's been enough where I've thought to myself, this is going to be awesome. And I'm not getting that yet. And it makes it harder and harder for me to not feel like it's a boy who cried wolf story with this, even though I have nothing but respect for, you know, artists and the time they need. But, you know, come out when you got something to say, 
and you got yeah. something you know to show to go with it <laughs> and you bring up a good point that i'm willing to wait if it's going to be if the results are going to be amazing it's yeah like a, it's like a video game don't release a half-finished product i'll wait a few months or a year even if the game's going to be finished and polished so i'm willing to wait but then you know stop teasing us because you know <laughs> Give us Please. something. Give us something solid. <laughs> give us something solid already. Yeah. And you know, we're not really getting that from from anything in this sort of news press release, except, well, we'll get there. And I'd rather just either one, like you said, just give me a finished product when it's done and tell me about it, or two, tell me what you're gonna do. Tell me when it's coming. Yeah. And then tell me what you're do- like. Tell me what characters are gonna be involved. Tell me exactly. And then tell me when to get it. And I can wait till then. I don't need advanced releases or anything of anything until then. Because I know what's coming. I know you're doing it. And you told me when you're going to do it. And uh, knowledge breeds confidence, man. That's uh, that's the one thing I I have to say about that. Um, And really, I don't have a lot of knowledge moving into this next story. And I was wondering if you had any sort of feedback response on this announcement about the uh, DC trade marketing executive who's exiting and going to humanoids. Um, Brad, I, I'd love for any sort of initial response you had to this, my friend. My my initial response was just the fact that, okay, that's fine. Who's coming next and what, you know, what are they going to do? To me, it's not like, it's not about looking back to see the whys and, you know, it's just where are we going to go from here? You know, what's the new person that they're going to hire? What are they going to bring on board? That's, that's, that was my main takeaway from that whole story. I, uh, I I really didn't have much more to take away from it than the announcement. It, it's uh, the name of the person, uh, Alan Lujo, is uh, you know now at Humanoids and director of sales and marketing after nine years with DC. And uh, three were involved in ex- executive director of book, mass sales, trade marketing. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm impressed with the fact that she, you know, was involved with a lot of, uh, you know, these different labels that were age-based, either Ink, Zoom, or, or Black Label. But uh, it was really hard to take much more away from the story than, you know, someone's left and now there's an opening and this is what they're going to be doing at their new job. You know, I think that that she they that's some good stuff i think that those new all-age lines and black label i think that there's some really interesting content being produced so on that front i like i you know i like what's been done in the past in the in the time that that she's been there so you know so we'll see we'll see i hope that i guess in a sense i hope that whoever comes on doesn't stop those things because they're you know between the swamp kid thing coming out and the the um the justice league mail uh we talked about a few weeks ago right um dear justice league or i forget what exactly it was yeah. called but that's that stuff's that's... fun and i want you know i want i want to see more of that so i hope that doesn't put the kibosh on that kind of stuff i i really feel like uh you pointed out something because some of the titles that we're talking about the most have come from these labels i mean the dc black label is actually where you can get this new uh batman that we were just talking about um Mm -hmm. and why there was a trailer for it because this is a story that can kind of be told in that black label universe um but also uh i believe it's uh 
it's not listed in here, but Wonder is one that I've really enjoyed because it gave us the opportunity to get a great character like Naomi. Um, yeah. Zoom has produced some really fun ones. Ink has done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it really feels like uh, you've stepped into uh, a great sort of, you know, path or footstep that that's been pointed out which is like hey these are a new way that things have been going and they're an example of really positive way it's been going let's not have this person leave be the end of that let's just have this be what they started for somebody else to to pick up and keep going and i think that you know the way you moved into it in that way is like hey all you have to do is keep following those footsteps and i think yeah. you set that up really nicely because it it, it seems like so much good that had already been done. All anyone has to do is go, okay, how do we keep going, make it better, you know, follow this example and all the things that we can learn from it. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, the last bit of news to sort of, you know, come out that falls into that other category has to do with DC Universe and the online game that is now going to be available on Nintendo Switch. Um, do you play DC Universe Online, have a Nintendo Switch, or I, have any other response to this story? <laughs> well, I I do have a Switch, and I have played DC Online, but it's been on the PlayStation 3. Oh, okay. But, and, this is, and this is why I think that it's a good thing, because it's, it's the Switch hardware can definitely, definitely stand stand it you know it's not like it's going to push it too hard i think that the universe dc universe online has been around long enough um i think and i think the switch is the perfect spot for it um you know you can take it with you you can play it you know even on the bus going into work if you find somebody else with a switch and i've seen that happen on my bus rides people are playing together with the switch uh it just seems like a it, it seems like a a good fit for the switch is to have it move there it seems like it just makes perfect sense um for someone who doesn't actually have one of those systems, maybe you can sort of just go a little bit more if you want to mind on, you know, you've already played it on PlayStation, you said on PlayStation 3? Yeah. And that uh, you have a Switch, and you can see how the Switch can handle that. Because I know that a couple of things they point out in in this story is that over 300 characters, over 103,000 subscribers, which seems like a pretty big community, but that your experience with the Switch is it's either no longer so new or it's got enough to sort of establish hardware that it can handle the demands of the gaming system or the gaming right. Uh, universe. Right, exactly. The, the Switch hardware can handle the game because the Switch is a little bit, because of the nature of what it is, is a little bit behind in what the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One can handle so in other words you're not going to get the spider-man game on the switch it can't really handle it which is not to take away from the switch because the switch is a great uh it's a great console uh nothing does what the switch does in the way that it does it and that's kind of a cool place for an online game like dc universe 2 because you can play it with people like i was saying on the bus or you know on the street or wherever and then you can bring it home plug it in the dock and go right back on your big uh, on the TV screen, so you could always you could always be connected, uh, and yeah, it just it just seems like it makes perfect sense. It almost seems like why has it taken this long for them to bring it out <laughs> on the Switch? Really, it just seems yeah, like a perfect fit. That's a pretty cool thing. I I did not really fully grasp until you were describing it, which is that you know. 
PlayStation 3, you're playing it at home. But with the Switch, because of its unique format, you can not only plug it into the home unit, you can bring the portable unit with you, play on the go, even break it off into, you know, partnering with somebody else or just play online. That's that's a huge opportunity for uh, not only DC, but for Nintendo to seize on. Yeah. Um, that's and, pretty amazing. And, yeah. And another thing is that it should extend the life of the game. You know, because as we move deeper into this new console generation, pretty soon we're going to be on to the next one. And when that happens, you're going to lose some of your core audience. But if you've moved some of those people onto the Switch, then it's got a life that could extend years. If you wouldn't mind, because you brought up a really interesting point there, and I I wouldn't want to pass it up. Um, Because I haven't played DC Universe Online, and I was just glancing through the article that that we had to review for this, it doesn't mention how long that's been around. Uh, Do you know offhand how long DC Universe Online has been available as a playable? uh, Not exactly, but I want to say like 2011. I could be way off. But I... Because I got I got back into gaming very late. Um, I went from the PlayStation One to an Xbox 360, so that's a whole lot that I missed <laughs> out on. So I ended up when I when I did get back into gaming, is playing a lot of catch up. And you know what that means is that I I try to play as much as I could and not necessarily go into every single thing, every detail I could. I, I'm trying to play as much and get a varied gameplay experience. So um, I I haven't played DC Universe enough to, to really dig under the hood that much and, to, you know, to research the history as far as, like, you know, what year it came out. But I want to say, like, 2011... Uh, seems about right, maybe 2012, but whatever, you know, during the height of like the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Just kind of gives a little frame of reference, not only for me, but for anybody who's listening on going, so how long has this been around if I haven't been into gaming or this is something I didn't know was available or, you know, would like to get into now that I'm, you know, becoming more of a, a DC comics and DC universe fan and they want to experience it in the gameplay that can sort of give them a bit of a, a history and a little bit of an understanding of just how long this has been available and how they can participate. Now it looks like on the switch. So thanks, Brad. really appreciate that. I'm a little uh, of a Luddite on the uh, gaming side of things. Uh, I'm okay with admitting it, especially when I've got someone who can provide perspective for us instead of just listening to me, you know, not have any context. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, that's really it for us, folks. This has been episode number 26 of DC comics news podcast i've been joined today by the highly esteemable brad felicki brad can you do me a favor real quick tell the fine folks just everywhere they can find you and uh reach out to you oh you can find me on dc comics news writing news stories and uh some reviews i can follow me on twitter flicky b1 that's f like frank (laughs) i l i c k y b1 number one Indeed, he's not shy, folks. Reach out, reach out. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him your thoughts and comments. 
He wants to hear him as much as I do. And I've been your host today, Seth Singleton. You can find me also on DC Comics News, where I write occasional reviews. You can also hear me once a week as part of the DCM podcast, where I do the Spinner Rack, my top five picks from DC Comics each and every week. And if you're looking for me any other way, just type in the word Seth Singleton and Storyteller. Pick the one you like the most and let me know with a comment or a kind or unkind word. I'm okay with either. But I'm not alone. DC Comics News is available everywhere. You you can find this podcast on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. So please head over if you haven't already and subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Five stars is pretty much your best way to do it. And the review can probably just say, we're doing great, keep it up. But I'll leave that to you. You can also follow DC Comics News on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. It's just at DC Comics News. That's the at symbol, D-C-C-O-M-I-C-S-N-E-W-S. And please be sure to check out the Spinner Rack right here on DC Comics News Podcast. And as always, read Read more more comics. comics. (laughs) We did pretty good on the comics part right there at the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we're going to sign off because Brad and I have a little bit of chatting to do about a comic you should be reading. If you don't remember which one, listen to this episode again and then get back to us with your thoughts after you've had a chance to go over everything we talked about today. Can't wait to join you next time. See you then.